This is the Random Nintendo Podcast, episode 34 for December 26th. Kevin Gomez reporting for duty, and as usual, to my virtual left is Jason. Hello, uh, Lieutenant Jason, if we're doing weird military names. And to my virtual right, Captain Angel. Present. Present, reporting for duty. When this episode goes up on the feed, yesterday it will have been Christmas, so we hope to all those who celebrate it, had a good Christmas surrounded by friends, family, good food, good drinks, and those who didn't at least still had a good weekend. We're uh, actually recording this pretty late into Christmas Eve. It might be Christmas when this is done. Oh yeah, maybe yeah. All right, I any of you, I'm not. I'm assume, much to yeah, I'm gonna assume that one of us is as not. A, as and the that good would be Jewish Jason. boy I am, but my neighbor. Yeah, burn this year. My 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 neighbor, who I don't think um the mic is picking up, but he's having like a one man Christmas rave or something. I just hear a thumping baseline through the wall, which I don't think the mic is getting, but. Let me tell you, she's not party. Join them party after. on Christmas. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I know. Yeah, sounds awesome. up. He may be dressed party. as Santa just alone, just party boying by himself. I don't know, but I, I feel like I'm Would missing Would you out. burst into flames if you go into into a Christmas rave? Um, I don't know how religion works. Only if the rave is that lit. Uh, Sorry, that was dumb. I couldn't resist it. <laughs> no, I, I, no. I, I would not burst into flames. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, I've been around. The thing about being in America is it's almost as much a Christian holiday, Christmas, as it is just an American tradition. So I'm around that stuff all the time. Yeah, honestly, I think when I think of Christmas, I see it more as a American thing, more so than a Christian thing, even though it's in yeah. the name. But you know, that's just how it's exposed. I mean, it's the media. And, and honestly, ninety like percent of it. Us Jews hammed up Hanukkah just to make it comparable to Christmas. Like, yes, Hanukkah always was about, like, eight days, and there was, like, you know, the gift of the oil lasting and all that. But, like, you know, before Christmas blew up as a cultural thing, I don't think very many Jewish kids were getting, like, the same scale of gifts that Christmas gifts were for Christian kids. So so we, we, uh, we counted. Yeah. Hanukkah. I remember yeah, when I first heard of it. was, like, a month ago. <laughs> I think I first – I'm trying to remember when I first heard of it. It must have been – a wee lad under 10. I think it was with the Rugrats special. But, um, yeah, I remember being jealous of the whole, Wait, like, who's Jewish seven days of gifts. Tommy Pickles. They're Tommy's the whole Pickles Jewish? family. The whole Pickles. Dude, they the, did the multiple Rugrats Jewish, Jewish holiday specials. Well, yeah, the, the dad's side is Rugrat Jewish. Chris, uh, no, no, no. The, the mom side, the mom side, the mom side. They do a bunch. Yeah, they, they have Hanukkah specials and Kwanzaa specials. But, yeah, the, the mom side is Jewish. Which is, in I Jewish mean, tradition, the actual uh, lineage side. So if your mom's Jewish, you're Jewish. If your dad's Jewish, eh, not so much. In the oh, traditional really? sense. Yeah. Fun fact, so, Drake is half weird. Jewish. Rapper Drake, half Jewish. Huh. His mom's Jewish, so technically full Jewish according to the religious doctrine, but according to just, like, you know, how family structure Genetics? works, half Jewish. Yeah. Really That's mom. so weird. I, I, so I, I watched this, uh, this streamer. Her name is uh, Cutie Cinderella. And she comes from a Mormon background. And she was talking about how if her mother or when her father passes away, that something... And and I'm sorry if we have any Mormon listeners. I may be butchering how this works for you guys. But the way that it works is if he divorces his wife and then gets remarried, uh, that he will have to get buried with both his wives or like right next to each other on like a on the plot 
But mm. even if they're divorced? Yes. Divorce but isn't then, a, is, isn't like a it's a frowned upon thing in the Mormon church. Divorce. Yeah. But if the mother dies before the man, she does not uh she does not get to be with oh crap, I totally butchered this. I totally misremembered how, how this completely went. It was some weird like uh sort of double standard that there was mm, mm-hmm. where I guess the, the female Oh, the female doesn't get to uh be buried next to her new husband. I think it will always have to be the first husband. I think that's what it was. I'm sorry, Mormons, if you're listening. It's interesting without, you know, everyone obviously has their belief system and more power to you for for having that and, and sticking to it. But it is interesting how different the rules and regulations and structures can be within these religions in general. Or even just beliefs or systems or like, you know, like the going back to Conca, like, oh, eight nights. Okay. But then you have this menorah that has nine candles because one candle has to light the other eight candles. It's like, well, why? Because that's just how it works. Like every religion has stuff like that. It's just, it's interesting how those constructs come to be, which I don't have an answer for. It's just in general. It's just kind of interesting. Yeah. So I'm sure there's some Mormonistic reasons for why that is, but it, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to knock it. You do you, homies. My, my Mormon brethren. Ancestors, and ancestors, yeah, and uh, NBs. <laughs> Always, you got to remember the NBs as well. True, the non-binaries. True. I, I, I wonder if they would have those. And I'm not getting into this. Where the point is that random Nintendo, we're an all-inclusive group of every uh, color, creed, and and whatever the other words you use in those situations are. Yeah, exactly. We're yeah. we're a very welcoming family. Inter- come creed. in for a group hug. Come in for a virtual group hug. Everyone listening, just put your arms out. Pretend we're hugging. I refuse to hug somebody that just said, I enjoy... Cre-. Wait, hold on. What Creed? What do you mean, what Creed? He, Angel like, not said, the band Creed. Angel said, I enjoy Creed. I, the, yeah, that's that's what I hope. The Rocky sequel? Okay. Okay. Because okay, I was going to say, if you enjoy With Michael Creed, B. Jordan? The band, yeah, we'd have the ba- we, we do have limits at Random Nintendo. Every color is welcome. Unless everybody's allowed to, in the group hug, <laughs> really except for Creed the band... Fan. Which is so ironic like, uh, because their whole song is about Assassin's arms Creed wide band? open. Like, uh, they are a like a power rock Christian band. I don't have anything against Christian bands or Christian music. I have an issue with Creed. I don't really think their music is that great. No, nah. I'm gonna repeat good my joke because no one, it didn't it didn't land. I was saying the irony. I don't know if you guys hear me, but the listener gets to hear it twice. The irony of uh, us saying everyone but Creed is welcome is we're talking about a virtual hug and that requires your arms to be wide open. Much like the Creed song. But we're not welcoming them. And we and never will awesome. hear at Ren and Nintendo. <laughs> anyway. I'm sorry, Creed fans. There's a, there's almost... I mean, I can't talk. My favorite band's Linkin Park and they have a reputation sometimes too, although they kind of outgrew it. But... Yeah, and then like... Yeah, I guess I'll hug an Imagine Dragons fan as much as I hate that band. I'll hug a Nickelback fan. Creed fans, though, I'm sorry, you're being excluded from this, and I'm sorry that you had to learn this way on this uh, episode. On this festive holiday episode. Yes, on this festive holiday episode. Uh, we are not going to do the nannies or the quarantinis this episode. We will get to that next episode because there's just a lot that we want to talk about that I feel like we won't have enough time to really... Uh, get into the nitty-gritty of why we chose our choices 
for like our favorite TV shows, anime, video game, that sort of stuff. So that'll be saved up for the next episode. Don't know when the next episode is going to be because if you skipped last week's episode, uh, random Nintendos are going to be, they're not going to be every other week the way that a uh, random Nintendo will be. Uh, we're just going to try to record these whenever we can as a supplementary to random Nintendo and not complimentary. Yeah, that because that's how it worked before, right? When, when yeah, we it's always supposed to be kind of the the sideshow, but the sideshow is hard to schedule. So it's like it's like what BYOB would be, except we're in charge of the bringing, but we don't know when it will be. Like you know, yeah. when people say like BYOB, it's just because they don't want to go plan what to buy for drinks. So they tell you figure it out. It's kind of that we just don't know what we're gonna plan, but we'll still deliver it to you when we do. This analogy sucks. I'm just gonna stop talking. BYOB. That reminds me. Uh. I wonder if uh, the lead singer of System of a Down recovered from COVID because that's the whole reason that uh, his show got canceled here in L.A. I wonder if Serge, Serge Tankian seems like a really good dude, even though he just recently got into NFTs. Uh, oh, Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park is already in the NFT world as well. Wait, Has who been is? for most of the year. Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park. No. He's deep in. Yep. No, not Mike. He did one cool thing with NFTs, to be honest. He made a mixtape that all the different layers of the songs, it's seven minutes, it's like four tracks, one like con- one continuous rap divided in four tracks. But he, the, the samples, the drums, the other instrumental parts, the vocals, all those, along with some art and elements of the art, are all mixed and matched. So he made 5,000 of these NFTs. I hate NFTs, but he made 5,000 of them. Each one's unique in terms of how it sounds and how it looks. And then he made a generic version, which is on streaming for people who don't care about NFTs. So, like, that's kind of a cool way of doing it, I guess, if you have to be one of those people. But, yeah, I don't still know. need yeah. to learn exactly what there. I saw a video that was posted in a Chatterno Kevinson that kind of went over it. And I think I have a better understanding of what NFTs are, but I think the gist of it was that they're links to something. But, so, the um, idea, in a nutshell, of non fungible tokens, NFTs, is that you, in the same way you can physically own something and it be unique to you, you can physically, digitally own something and it be unique to you in concept. So the idea is like the same way that you can own a jersey that someone wore when they won the Super Bowl. What if you owned the specific skin that was worn by a specific player when he won a tournament or something like that is like the high level concept. And then of course that could trickle down to be about art or about music or about things like you can own the original copy. The problem is in the same way that you can just like, you know, you can have an original Monet or you can have a print of a Monet. You can have an original NFT art piece of whatever, or you can have a, you know, right click copy save as version. And they're essentially the same. Unlike with a Monet where clearly one has like the texture work and whatnot and one is like a flat print, your digital copy is identical to the one that has the little attached thing saying it's the real one. And what NFT bros are trying to do, I think, is essentially add value to digital things that previously the internet kind of accepted as being interchangeable and duplicable and like it doesn't matter, anyone can copy paste something. The link thing that you're talking about where it gets really weird is a lot of the times when they sell these NFTs, they're not actually selling the item. They're selling you the link, the URL to where it lives. So you're basically getting a shell, and inside the shell, it's still hosted on a server. And if they choose to uh, you know, unplug that server in five years, you lost the thing you thought you had. But you have a certificate saying that URL is legit, except 
the URL doesn't go anywhere. So that I think that's kind of the basics of it, right, Kevin? Like that's sort of the in a nutshell what yeah, that's more or less what that yeah, that's yeah. more or less what the video that uh, Angel saw was saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean yeah, something about owning a treasure map but not the actual treasure or something like that. Yeah, that's often what it is. I mean, there are some exceptions, of course. Like if you download the file and it's somehow encrypted with the crypto and everything, then sure, I guess you own it. But at that point, like the the thing that I struggle with is the idea of like how do you like why who what value and this is all it's all based on people's perception of value which makes it trickier but like what value is there in saying look i have this file i have this song whatever dot mp3 and i download it and it's mine and the other guy going i have that exact same song the exact same file size the exact same sound quality but mine has a little crypto keychain attached to it and that little crypto keychain says it's actually the real version of the song and you just have a duplicate they are identical in every way shape and form except for that little tag that little like crypto hash or whatever so like it's not like in real life when you do own something unique, it like looks different, maybe smells different. If it's like something someone wore, it, it has texture. You know, there's there's ways to differentiate in real life that you can't digitally, and that that's where I get hung up on it. I think. I really hope we didn't piss off any listeners with <laughs> with talking about this. <laughs> no, I mean, I get, I it, it's 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 like investing in anything. If there's a market for it and people are interested, then you can make money. And there's probably some use cases we're not thinking of, but yeah, I don't, I don't fully wrap my head around it myself yeah but yeah understandable yeah all right well uh we've <laughs> we've alienated uh creed fans creed fans yeah uh, nft bros mormons sure. mormons <laughs> mike shinoda mike shinoda Serge. we're we're on a yeah. roll and search taken yeah. and all over christmas yeah. time we're all, all, all over christmas yeah. yep the irony all right with that uh let's get into it uh, I say we're probably going to bookend this episode with uh, MCU stuff, so I think we should talk a little bit of Hawkeye. Uh, Interesting I think this starting sh- point. Not Spider-Man. Hmm. Not Spider-Man. No, because spoilers, like, spoilers is easier to cut out at the end or at least uh, timestamp it. You know, just Fair. skip this part. Yeah. Uh, I think this one should be pretty easy to keep spoiler-free. Jason, yep. you and I saw it. Angel, yes, I assume that you saw the last 15 minutes as usual. Um, I honestly kept forgetting the show was even airing, so I have not done that yet. Wow, you didn't even bother. Interesting. I, I mean, mean, it's, you, ha- it's, it's, it's Hawkeye. It's Hawkeye. Yeah, it's Hawkeye, right? Uh, I mean, well, of all the ones that I've heard of, this one sounds like the most entertaining, at least like from the last few. I don't know, because I, I, even from both of you, I, it didn't sound like Captain America and the Winter Soldier was a very fun show to watch. Not that these have to be quote-unquote fun, but people have been talking more I guess highly on this show, just from a entertainment standpoint. I don't know if that's true, but I guess I'll find out. Yeah, well, where do you uh, stand on it, Kevin? Uh, so I'm going to be a little bit biased, considering that I read the series that this is like loosely based off of, and even though he's Hawkeye, Hawkeye has always been one of my favorite uh, Marvel characters for sure. Uh, so going into this, I was super excited. <laughs> oh yeah, you say why, Angel. Just kidding. I'm sure. No, no, I no. It's totally understandable why he would ask why. It's 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 Hawkeye. Come on, he he's a, he's a running joke even in his uh, his own show. Seriously, um, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. he's this universe is Aquaman. Even though they both keep showing how they're both Aquaman cool is treated times. with more respect inside the DC universe. Well, yeah, he is now. And Hawkeye yeah, is being treated though. in the show with his name on. Yeah, it they poke a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. Um. 
Yeah, so going into this, I was super excited. And coming out of it, it's definitely my favorite of the MCU shows so far. I But that being said, I haven't seen What If, and based on Jason's, I don't know, recommendation would not be the word that I'm looking for, but based on... My uh, thoughts. <laughs> it's funny because I, I heard it got a lot better, What If. Like, it ties in by the end, but I have not had uh-huh. the drive to go back and see for myself. Yeah, that, which yeah. understandable. Yeah, so with that, I mean, I'm probably not going to see What If anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely my favorite of the shows. That being said, I still have a lot of issues with this show, and mm-hmm. I don't know if this is just going to be my cycle with Disney Plus shows. Um, what about you, Jason? It well, so I think I think you're right. That's one of the more enjoyable MCU's. I think in terms of ambition, I kind of still like WandaVision a little, just because that was like so like different. It was the first of its kind, and it like structurally was so different, and they were doing all the sitcom tropes and whatnot. But what I think Hawkeye does really well is it's like smaller scale and it embraces that. And it kind of does its own little riff on different tropes because it is all set in New York in Christmas. It has references to all sorts of like Christmas movie capers and like, you know, there's little hints of Die Hard here and there, some Home Alone shenanigans. Like there's a lot of little bits and pieces. And it just, it's just like, I don't usually use this word, but it's really just a fun like romp. Like it's just, it's not too serious. It's not too not serious. They do some cool tie-ins and like, I don't know, it's just like smaller scale, smaller scope and it works because of that. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, it, it's, I, that's one of the things I did like about the show. What I really liked how low key it was compared to the other Disney plus shows. That wasn't a pun. Um, yeah, yeah, say, I'm like, comparable to the other show or what? Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, I mean, this, this story was pretty much confined just in New York City mm-hmm. within the span of a, like a couple of days. By the end of it, it didn't really advance the MCU forward in any meaningful way, which I think is a good thing considering literally everything else that's not Wait, the so show. didn't set up Spider-Gwen? Isn't that the whole point of it? Spider-Gwen? No. What? <laughs> no. Yeah, what? Spider-Gwen. Why would no, Spider Gwen be in the show about? I don't, I don't remember her. Around. I don't remember her real life name. I didn't know she oh, played Spider Gwen. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah, because Haley Steinfeld voices it kind of does. Gwen it kind in. of does, but it doesn't. It's not like to a dramatic degree like what Falcon and Winter Soldier does or what um, Loki does. Like it, it's lo- lower key. Oh, so it wasn't yeah. really a passing of the torch. No, not necessarily. It's I wouldn't be surprised. It to happen. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, but I like. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jeremy Renner in the future. I guess that might be a spoiler considering. We're like, oh, he doesn't die in the, he doesn't die in the show. Chill out, people. <laughs> Slight spoiler. What what I do think though, in terms of like its implications for the bigger MCU, is they tie up a lot of loose ends, sort of. Like they tie up some stuff from Black Widow. They, oh yeah, sure. Emotionally tie up some of uh, Hawkeye's movie related things, exploits um, in like, Endgame. Yeah, ex- yeah. So like there there are tie-ins, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't feel. There's one character they set up that's getting a spinoff show, and they kind of leave that hanging in the finale, kind of. But, um, yeah, it's pretty self-contained, to your point, Kevin, which which works in its favor, I think. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, just talking about the leads, I mean, I think it's safe to say that Haley Steinfeld stole the show, right? Like, Oh, totally. Her chemistry with, like, every character is, like, off the... Yeah. yeah. And her and what's-her-name, the one that plays um, Black Widow's sister... um, Florence Pope, po- whatever. Florence Pugh. Yeah, the two of them have really great chemistry too, and I really enjoy it. Like, their scenes were like probably some of the most campy things in the show, but I just really, like, they were cheesy and whatever, but I just really enjoyed them a lot. Like, they just, the, the chemistry between them is really good. Yeah, but uh, specifically Haley Steinfeld, like, her, Kate Bishop is such, like, a great character, and mm-hmm. I think 
Haley Steinfeld definitely, definitely hit the nail on the head with how just like a sarcastic smart ass she is. And I think she bounced really well off of Jeremy Renner's sort of uh, jaded Clint, who plays the yeah. like, I'm too old for it so well role. Like, yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. He Yeah, he um, basically was like, he had parallels to almost like the um the older Batman in like Batman Beyond or like uh when Ben Affleck played him where it's kinda of just like jaded, like not caring, like over it. But then yeah, sort of dragged in to everything anyway. Yeah. And then uh yeah. I think the the tracksuit mafia were like really fun villains. I am kinda of bummed that they didn't get all the spotlight by the end of the show because I mean the villain of the show <sighs> The villains. Should we say it? No, not necessarily. Okay. Like not the not the big bad. There, this show does have a big bad that's revealed by the by the end of the show. And uh, it's I'll very that, brief. But... Like yeah. without spoiling anything, like he comes and goes like nothing. <laughs> like he's like barely in it. Yeah, but uh the the villains of the show are I guess like that new character that you had said, Maya. Mm-hmm. Um Who's she's like the, the villain the for like the yeah. yeah, and she's the one getting the spinoff. I do not care about her character at all. Same. I thought I they handled her arc just fine all. in the few episodes of like she wasn't that interesting, and they gave her a little background and did a little in the Hawkeye arc, like within the six episodes, and I was completely yeah. content with that. I do not need another show with her. Like, yeah, I don't and know why I guess that exists. I guess yeah, I guess her last scene in the show does sort of set up her own show, but like I don't really mm-hmm. care about that. Um. Vera Farmiga, who plays Kate Bishop's mom. I love Vera Farmiga, but man, I did not... Basically, I did not care for anything that wasn't Kate Bishop and Clint Barton. Like, <laughs> her her mom's boyfriend, is he a bad guy or is he a good guy? Like, I did not care about that. And by the end of the show, I did not care where his character, like, wound up in, right? And then Neither Vera did the Farmiga, writer, seemingly, because it yeah. just kind of left him, like, Oh well, that's his story. That's it. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then yeah. Vera Farmiga's arc, I just she started off fine for me, and then by the end, when she becomes really integral to the story, I did not care about her at all. Maybe, maybe I'm just a dick, but like by the by the end of the show, I feel like none of none of this was really relevant to yep. the show's final end game, right? Yeah, I I feel like it all needed to happen to give. Kate Bishop the motivation to continue to want to continue to have to do stuff and give Clint the motivation to continue to have to work with her together. Like they yeah. were all like it was all like uh, uh not table stakes, but it's it all there just to move as a like to move the plot forward versus actually being interesting, if that makes sense. The yeah. plot being Clint and, and Kate. Yeah, and then and then like it doesn't help that I don't know, some of the some of the story beats felt really rushed to me. Like, I mean, uh, the, f- the finale was pretty rushed. Although I, yeah. a lot of people had problems with the finale, which was very rushed. They had three concurrent battles with three different sets of people. I actually kind of liked mm-hmm. how they juggled it, and I thought it was cool that it was all happening around Rockfire Center at once, and they used the tree as like part of the set piece and everything. Like I thought that was very really cool. But I went online right after watching, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, it was so rushed!" And I was like, "Yeah, I guess that's true." But I wasn't really invested in anything except Kate and Clint, so it kind of worked for me still. Yeah, but, I like. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to get the impression that these Disney Plus shows won't ever fully work for me because I just think that they're a little too time constrained, which is funny because that's the exact opposite issue that the Netflix show suffered where those Mm. shows just ran way too long. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only one that I think that has done it well enough here was WandaVision, but that's, 
because it had eight episodes to breathe rather than six that we've been getting with these other shows. Mm-hmm. But like with WandaVision, the only problem was that I just didn't like the story that they were telling, but they did tell the story in what I think was like a, uh, like a decent pace, I guess. Here yeah, I just had yeah, an I... issue with like the amount of plot threads that finally converge at the end, right? Right. Yeah, I don't know why Disney's capping them at six now. Like, I'm not sure. They must have metrics or something, but like, Hawkeye maybe didn't, it was a little rushed, but like some shows like could really use the breathing room. I think, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, I remember saying at the time, either shorten it up to be a movie or stretch it out to be a show, but that six episode in between, it just doesn't quite work. Yeah. Um, but what does work here, obviously, is, is like Jeremy Renner and Haley Seinfeld's chemistry. And that worked really really well enough for me to get through the show right yeah i, I would also, not be surprised if they're setting up uh, a young avengers show or movie based on like all the characters that are getting introduced in this phase because we have uh kate bishop we have uh america chavez which is a a newer character that she's being introduced in uh dr strange we got mm. iron hearts so these are all like younger people that I'm They're sure building that they'll, they'll converge. Yeah, exactly. I mean, then you got the whole, like, um, slight spoilers for the other Marvel shows, but you got the whole, like, kind of, like, Black Ops version of the Avengers being formed as well. So there's, like, a lot of, like, little pieces Oh, yeah, the Thunderbolts, yeah. Together. Yeah. So. It'll be interesting It'll be to interesting see. to see. Yeah, it's, like, right now, so, and then you have the multiverse stuff, which seems like it's kind of another level. Like, if you look at, like, the uh, Multiverse of Madness trailer that Marvel properly released, um, you know, a couple days ago now, uh, it you know, like Wanda's in it and they make reference to um to what happened in WandaVision, but they kind of just brush it aside. So it's like even some of the stakes in the stuff that seem, you know, like, oh, is there going to be Young Avengers? Is there going to be this Black Ops thing? Like, even then, it seems like it might be confined to the TV side, just sort of referenced in the movies more than a direct tie-in like we originally thought. I mean, it's too, maybe it's too early to say of Multiverse of Madness, but I thought it was weird that, like, you know, I thought Strange would show up and be like, how could you do that? And he's literally like, oh, I don't care what you did in that town. Like, I need your help with something else. And that was it. That was the reference. So, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, I, I mean, overall... I do, oh, yeah, go for it. I was just gonna say, I do want to give a shout-out to some of the action sequences in Hawkeye. Some of them were pretty bare-bones. Some of it felt like I was watching almost, like, Power Rangers or something. But, like, early on, some of the fights. But, they did some really cool cinematography. There's a car chase in the third or fourth episode where they kept the camera in the back seat and just kept circling. So it would go, like, showing Hawkeye and Kate Bishop doing their thing, driving, and then just pan around and show what's going on behind them in the car chase and then pan back around and show their reaction. It just did like four full 360 degree cycles. And I've never seen that in a car chase scene. And I thought that very, was really cool. Very funny enough that you say that some of the things felt like Power Rangers, because that's actually something that they did in the Power Rangers reboot. Wait, where really? there's a, that exact yeah, there's a camera there. Yeah. Oh. There's a camera uh, <laughs> inside of a moving car and they just do the 360 thing. It, oh, like, right I, I was sitting there, like, I kept saying out loud during that scene, like, this is cool, I've never seen this, and, oh, okay. But, yeah. um, the other that one I thought way was... way better than anybody gives it any credit for, by the way. That's what I've heard. I've heard basically, like, Power Rangers to, like, a Twilight lens, but it, like, works. Yeah, surprisingly. Yeah. But, but that scene I thought was kind of cool, and the other one I thought was cool. This one I've definitely seen other things, too. But when, um, uh, Yolano, who is Black Widow's sister, and Kate Bishop end up buying heads later on in the season they do a shot where they're just going room to room to room fighting just and they kept moving the camera across all the rooms and it's just like this no this one take i mean obviously it was stitched together digitally but it looks like it's just one take where it's just zooming through all these different rooms side perspective like 2d like side scroller style 
And I just thought that's cool. Other shows have done that. Mr. Robot did a whole episode where it was basically one simultaneous take across rooms. Um, but like, it was just kind of in the fight scene. I thought it was a cool moment in Hawkeye. So nothing unique there. Just, just, there was some good cinematography they did in some of the action sequences. Yeah, definitely, definitely my favorite action sequences of the entire Disney Plus shows. Cause yeah, I think WandaVision had the big one at the end that we weren't very fond of. And then, yeah, CG fest. Yeah. And then, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think we just always just felt like slogs, those mm-hmm. fight scenes. So yeah, definitely. Definitely the best of uh, just overall. Definitely the best. I feel like Disney Plus show, um, and and also the like levity of it, like just the fact that they made it during Christmas and they did have some of the witty banter. So like it just felt like it's just lighter in general, which helped. Yeah, it, like, it, it like starts with a uh, with an Avengers musical. You know? Yeah, which it's a, yeah so they far. then if you want to listen to they then put it on Spotify, which uh, choice is yours on that one. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, it's funny because that is absolutely the way that it would be nowadays. Oh, like, 100%. That, I can absolutely yeah. see that as being the uh It the was musical. spot on. And I think the people that reacted going like, oh, this isn't good. It's like, or like, oh, they should never. That's why you never show like yeah. the full musical on a TV show. That's with kind a of the musical. point. Like, yeah, like literally they're making fun of how we consume musicals. Like unless you're Hamilton, you're, you're going to turn out like that. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, Hawkeye. I probably seven out of ten personally. Yeah, I, I do like yeah seven seven and a half somewhere around there. It was fun. It it didn't move mountains, but it was an enjoyable time, and it it was nice how they structured it to go right into Christmas. Like the final episode set right before Christmas. It aired like or was on Disney Plus like two days before Christmas Eve. Like it it, it lined up very nicely. Good marketing. Good yeah. job marketing Damn. team. Good job marketing. Yeah. The the overlords at Disney. Yes, Marvel. good job to our, uh, good job. our true lords and saviors, Mickey Mouse. To media conglomerates. Yes. yes. <laughs> but uh, moving from one Haley Seinfeld project to another, uh, Angel, you finally saw Arcane. She's in that too? She plays V. Oh, Vi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, She's Vi. Literally Vi in everything. Sorry. No, her name is Vi. I, always, I also called her V until a character eventually said her name. And I was like, oh, it's Vi. But uh, yeah, I didn't realize that was her. I think I'd recognize her voice, but I guess not. Even when I saw her in Bumblebee, knowing she was Spider-Gwen, I still didn't recognize her voice in it. So I don't know. But either way, yeah, Arcane. I did not expect this show to be one of my favorites of this year. And that's even after, you know, like I, I feel like it was impossible to escape a what seemed like a unified consensus that everyone just seemed to love the heck out of the show. Um, I anything I heard about it was always super positive, which I guess I felt like it was either going to hype it up too much, but it definitely just made me keep my expectations way more tempered. Which you know it helps that I have never played League of Legends. I know like initially I kept accidentally calling it Dota, but that just kind of more to the point that I am as connected to this franchise as possible, which honestly, I think in a way may have been a good thing because it just set me up to be as suppressed as possible. Like I had no preconception of which character, who was what, like I know I've seen the design for Jinx's character just because we go to Comic-Con, League of Legends merch is all over the place sometimes. 
like I've seen Jinx, but I didn't know what her deal was. I'm like, is this a Harley Quinn character? Is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? I had no idea. And even as like I was watching the show, I didn't realize we were watching the origin stories of some of these characters. And yeah, I mean, in the end, I would just say it's just a really, just a well-written show. It just has a great story. It has really nice art direction. Like, I love that it's a CG show, but the models are modeled in a way that, um, well, they're modeled like they're made for feature films. Like, this movie definitely has, like, feature film level animations. It's not quite as, it doesn't quite reach on, like, Spider-Verse levels of stylishness, but it definitely gets there. It has a lot of shots and a lot of action scenes that some of them are even set to music. Some of them are just done. Actually, Spider-Verse is a really good way to compare it. Like, it just changes art style sometimes. It's definitely... It has its own identity. They did a really good job. Like, whoever was directing this and producing this, like, it was definitely, like, a passion project. Because by the end of it, like, I cared about Vi, Jinx, and even Silco and some of the other characters that at one point I was starting to feel like, oh, man, like, are they introducing too much? Am I going to have to... Like, learn their vocabulary. Because, you know, it's not an RPG, but I know when you play most RPGs, you, they kind of, if you, I don't know, go like months or maybe like a year without playing an RPG and then go back to it, sometimes there's just like a lot of words in there, especially with Tales games that I just feel like they're talking another language. Like, I have to like go back and relearn what like phonemes means because they just use it so they throw words around like that. And they do kind of do that in this one, but. They definitely expected a lot of people that weren't League of Legends fans to watch this because they ease you into the show pretty nicely. Like I said, you do not have to like or have know anything about League yeah, of Legends. And yeah, so I think this is the best any, way any, that they could have done this. Yeah, anyone will appreciate this. Yeah, I think I would recommend it to anyone at this point. Just really good piece of you know, just animation medium. Like it's. It's awesome. Like the rendering is all the characters are rendered in a way that make them look like paintings, which just makes their expressiveness that much more striking when you look at their faces. Cause everything looks like it was like painted with a paintbrush. I don't know. It's really interesting. It's just a really pretty looking show. And you know, action choreography is great. Um, there is a lot of Imagine Dragons. Like they must have collabed with that. So no, I have to comment on You're that. You're joking. Not a lot. One song. So there is... They have quite uh, That's the one song too much. I'm sorry. They, we're the we're excluding the Imagine Dragons fans from the group hug. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> they definitely... It's the one from the Game Awards that they did. Yeah, they limit... They they lean on that enemy song a lot. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Something about Misery. And that, it's Imagine Dragons featuring a rapper named J.I.D. But then they have other songs on the soundtrack that have like other rappers like Denzel Curry and like Pusha T. And then they have Sting on a song. And then they have pop singers like B. Miller. Like it's quite the eclectic... Is that soundtrack. why Sting was at the Game Awards? Yes, because he was doing an Arcane song. Yeah, they oh, put God. a ton of money into this soundtrack. They have like an alt-rock band, or not really alt-rock, but like kind of like a, uh, I don't know what to call it, but they're like a, it's a lead singer who's a female, a woman. Uh, I'm forgetting what the name of the band, Pre- Previs or something like that. They have like them do a song and they're kind of like, they start as kind of like a synth-pop group, but then have been moving more into rock lately. Like it really, the soundtrack's all over the place, which is interesting because from my understanding, each song is supposedly referencing a character. So, Angel, is it structured 
is it structured in a way where like one episode per character or like are they all intertwined like how does that work because the soundtrack's apparently divided by character which is why it's so like eclectic it's pretty intertwined like any okay. other show you spend like, so some, time with like, some character mm, so they i mean like, a theme basically yeah like as time goes on it definitely like spreads out more because like i think honestly you could even just watch the first three episodes as a demo of the show because i would even say like that has like an ending that feels like the ending of like a season finale. And then after that, it's almost like, uh, it feels more like a continuation than like, uh, just flowing right in. Is this so the first feel- time that Netflix? Oh, I'm sorry. Go for it. Yeah, so I was gonna say, like, yeah. So if you're not really feeling it by the end of the third episode, then you may not really enjoy it. But yeah, I felt by the end of the third episode, I was like, man, I need to watch more of this. This was pretty awesome. Is this the first time that Netflix has done that, where they drop a handful of episodes and then the next week another handful, and then the next week another? They do they... reality shows. Okay, well, I, I something a sure. little bit more mm-hmm. serialized, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. um, I... oh, sorry, go ahead. Andrew. Yeah, this. Oh no, yeah. I, I I know this was being like distributed piecemeal, but I saw it way after it was done, so it was nice that I could just watch episode back to back to back. I will say though. It is another one of those, each episode is 45 minutes. I know it's not a big deal for everybody, but just need to point that out because, yeah, like, it's not necessarily a comedy. It's not necessarily, it is kind of a drama, but, you know, it's like, they do have some jokes here and there, but it's not really something you could just be like, what what am I just going to throw on here? Like, it's not really a watch whenever. You kind of have to be in the right mood to watch it because... There's a lot goes on. There's only like nine episodes total. Nine yeah, or ten? I think, I think it's nine. So yeah, and they cover a lot in those episodes. So if you just kind of want to sit back and watch something without really thinking about it, then you probably don't want to watch this then. Like it kind of demands your attention and it, and it deserves it. But yeah, I, I will say that at least like in some episodes, like the 45 minutes just go by really fast. But that being said, I definitely appreciate my pretty short shows. Like as I'm getting back into Agretzko, I forgot that each episode is like 15 minutes long. So I'm like blazing through that show just because it just goes by so fast. Because I'll definitely have to talk about that one next time. But yeah, Arcane. I didn't remotely make me interested in playing the game after watching it. But <laughs> I was it did literally about me... to ask you. <laughs> but it did, did make me curious games, where this Angel? story goes. Any of them? Because they're doing all the spinoff ones now, too. Like, they're trying to get beyond just the Dota genre. Yeah. The show itself didn't help, but because, you know, it just focuses on Vi and Jinx. They're definitely, like, the centerpiece. There's, like, some other characters that pop up. Like, I definitely recognized there's, like, a small, furry little creature that's, like, a genius professor that's, like, 3,000 years old or something. And... They, they're an interesting character, and I know, like, I've seen them before in merchandise, um, but I remember YouTube, like, threw an ad at me for, like, a rhythm game. It's, like, a 2D mm-hmm. platforming rhythm game with, like, some exploding furry-looking dude that also looked like that professor, and I didn't, it didn't even advertise that it was a League of Legends thing until the very, very end, and I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. It's, like, Harmonite on the 3DS. You know, just running, attacking to the beat of the rhythm, throwing bombs. It looked, it looked like a quality game, and it 
towards the end of the demo, it showed that professor dude. And I'm like, oh, it's this dude from Arcane. And then I think it was for everything but Switch. I just know it wasn't no, it's on Switch. Switch. It's on Switch. Is it? Yep. The, and it's by oh, Choice Provisions then... who did Runner 3 and Runner 2. And the bit trips. Oh, okay. I okay. think we brought yeah, this up, didn't Switch. we? I think we did. Yeah, in a random Nintendo. Because I still think it's did, incredibly clever that when Riot was like, all right, let's expand League of Legends, they did it like full court press. Like within like a week, they had three, two games available in totally different genres, a third game on the horizon and a third genre and the show all at once. Yeah, that fighting game, the show. Yeah, but they have like a single player Other stuff. adventure game. Yeah. like Oh yeah, they have really, an MMO coming out as well or something. I believe so, yeah. They're doing like a whole, it's, it's, they're going like quadruple speed, but they're very quickly turning League into like a broader universe of Things yeah. you can consume, which is smart. Because so yeah, I'm, with that I'm definitely done to check out stuff like that as it happens. Like Arcane, I'm in. This rhythm game, sure, I'll check it out when the time just lines up for me. But other than that, the only MOBA I continue to plan to play is just Pokemon Unite. Thought that's gonna change, but yeah, check out Arcane. Pretty sure for more on Pokemon it will Unite. Most people. As I say, for more on Pokemon Unite, everyone listening, scroll down one episode on your feed because Angel dove back into Pokemon Unite like last week on Round Nintendo. So look at that synergy. You just wow. gotta throw that in there, don't you? Of course, it's my job that I it gave myself. <laughs> yep. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, I guess speaking of gaming, I want to talk about a little product that I bought. And just to clarify, this is not an ad, but. It's going to rage Shadow Legends. We're never going to get that money. I know Jason's nope. never going to allow us to get that nope. rage Shadow Legends. Money. I don't think. What uh, if you just buy it and then do the promo and maybe they'll like it so much they'll retroactively give us the money? Oh, there's an idea. Now, now if I idea. was, hold on, if I was rage Shadow Legends, why would I go, that was really great of them to give us free promo. I better kick them some money I didn't need to pay them otherwise. Yeah, exactly. For more. <laughs> oh. what? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if. The backbone one works with Raid Shadow Legends, but it works with a lot of things. Now, let me tell you about this thing, okay? Backbone? Yeah, it's called the backbone. I, I've been doing a bunch of gaming on this controller that I recently bought during uh, Black Friday. This thing's awesome, and it's about to overtake the Switch as my portable console of choice, honestly. Wow. That's... Yep. Wow. Let me get into why. This thing's awesome. Uh... At least within my home. I, uh, let's make that that caveat, okay? At least within my home. So it's this uh, sort of, I guess, maybe, no, it's not a controller grip, but it's this controller that sort of looks like uh, uh, the Joy-Con connected to the Joy-Con grip that comes with the Switch, and it extends out. It, like, pulls, right? And you fit your phone into it. I'm sure you've, you've probably seen a lot of controllers like this. Um, one of the differences is that it connects via the lightning port on the iPhone. I do believe that there is a Android version of it, but I'm not sure if it's just like USB-C or micro USB. I would hope it's USB-C because micro USB can go die in a river. I'm so tired of that, of that standard. <laughs> and I'm so tired of companies that keep using that standard. It's, it, ugh! okay. Anyways. So once you, uh, once you connect your phone to it, you need to download the Backbone app, which I know might rub some people the wrong way, but 
basically, once you set it up, you don't really need to touch the app ever again. Although, I will say that the app is actually pretty cool. It comes with its own sort of social media platform where you can uh, add friends who also have, like, Backbone accounts. And then you can message them. You could do voice lobbies, I think, with up to four people. Um, so that's already one up that it has on the Switch. Uh, I don't know anyone who has this thing, but I'm sure it's perfect for people who play, like, a lot of Call of Duty mobile. Um, aside from that, it also has, like, a, a record button. You know, similar to, like, all the controllers that every console has nowadays. And that'll let you save screenshots. It'll let you uh, save video clips. And you get to choose the parameters of each of those uh, screenshots or video clips, which is really nice. I believe you can also edit them on the app, which is uh, which is interesting. Uh, the controller itself is really solid. The build quality is fantastic. The face buttons are nice and clicky. The shoulder triggers have a good tension to them. The D-pad is better than most controllers' D-pads, honestly. It's just like a solid controller pretty much all the way around. I've been playing, surprise, surprise, a lot of Genshin with it, which is, it, it's fantastic. You To play Genshin, you you have to go into the settings and switch from touch controllers to to a controller. Uh, switch control. You got to change it from touch controls to an actual controller. But aside from that, it works seamlessly. Uh, the, that game is already fine to play with touch controls, but... Having a more direct input is definitely nicer to have. Where this game really shines, though, is when you use it with all the services that are out. So you can use it with Xbox Cloud Gaming, and it just works. Like, there's nothing that you have to finesse with it. It's crazy. That's mainly how I've been playing Scarlet Nexus, which I talked about, I think, an episode ago. Um, it apparently works with Stadia as well, so you don't have to use Stadia's controller. Uh, which <laughs> those those poor souls that have Stadia, uh, all seven of them, all seven of them. I'm one of them because I've been paying for it for the last year and I why, haven't touched it at all. Why? <laughs> Let why? me tell you. I, not why did you because, get it, but why do you still have it? Because I get the I get the reminder or I get the email saying like, "Hey, thanks for purchasing another month of Stadia," and I'm like, "Hey, I should cancel that," and I just never do mm, because I yeah. just keep putting it off. And then by the time I remember it, it's already charged me. Or that's how I remember because it charges me. I just never get around to do it. Fun fact yeah. or unfun fact, depending on how you look at it. I've been doing this with LA Fitness for four years. I have been paying <laughs> for an LA Fitness account that's frozen. So it's only $10 a month. But I've been paying for that account for the last four, going on five years. Wow. That's $600. Anyways, back to back to the controller. I I gotta cancel that at some point too. I've, it's never gonna happen. What am I saying? Um, <laughs> the best part about the backbone is that it works perfectly in my home with the Steam Link app, and the Steam Link app is essentially you are streaming your games on your gaming PC over to your phone. You're just essentially it's just a, essentially a mirror. Um, and now I can play all my Steam games from the comfort of my bed, which has always been the dream of mine with, like, the Switch. I, I always talk about it on, on the on the RM podcast how, like, man, I just wish that I had my entire Steam library with me, like, in bed. And now it's feasible with this. Like, I was going to wait until uh, Disco Elysium finally came out on the Switch to play it on there because that just seems like a 
you know, that, that game's sort of like a visual, visual novel type game. And I don't really want to play that on my computer, but playing it on my bed is no brainer. And now that I have this thing, I just bought it on Steam and I'm just playing it in my bed. It's fantastic. The only issue that I do have with the controller, and it's not even the controller's fault, is that, like I said, these are services that you're going to need really good internet for. Uh, I have T-Mobile and T-Mobile is not the best, uh, like, service provider around where we live. So I haven't even tried doing any cloud gaming. And like I said, Steam Link, you can only use from outs within your own network, I believe. So it's not like I can even take this to work where my job has awesome, awesome Wi-Fi for whatever reason. But uh, like I won't be able to use it there because I, I'm pretty sure you have to use your own home network for it. But eventually that's where my Steam Deck will come into play, right? But uh, no, if, if anybody does any any handheld gaming, this thing is like a no-brainer. It's, I believe it's a $100, which is pricey, but for its build quality and just how how it works seamlessly with like a bunch of games, it, wor- it works with a lot of uh, Apple Arcade games. Uh, any game that pretty much uses a controller in the App Store will most likely work right out of the box. It's, it's crazy. Uh, I know there's another controller that's made by Razer, and... I know it has like a lot of the the same like functionality, but I I just went uh, with this one because it it's gotten such great reviews and it's really nice to see that it's uh that it's panned out pretty well for me. It's, it's pretty great. And a hundred isn't that bad when you think of it as five easy payments of nineteen ninety five. Yeah, that's how they get you, isn't it? <laughs> I I actually did yep. get it uh with a uh, Black Friday sale, so it was eighty five dollars. It's not too much of a difference. Um. But then the, I bought it off Backbone's own website because it was $85. And on Amazon, it was still $100. And then sure enough, I buy this thing. And then two days later, it's on Amazon for 70 bucks, which kind of stung. Okay, but you know what? It's fine. Oh, I do have to add something to it. If you have an iPhone 13 or 13 Pro Max, you do have to get an adapter with it that they send out for free. So. Just keep that in mind. I have a a, a 13 Pro Max, so I have to use it with the little adapter. The uh, other way, the camera bump gets in the way of like the controller, or like the back, the the spine of the controller, the backbone of the controller, if you will. Um, ah, I see what you did there. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, this thing's <laughs> great. If either of you, Jason, this this thing would be perfect for you. Bio? All you need is a. A game oh, you need PC, the, uh, Xbox Game Pass, and Xbox or... Game Pass. Just Xbox Game Pass. Or yeah, Genshin, true. man. Jason, if you get into Genshin, oh, we would, we'd have the time of our lives. Oh, I no longer need Genshin on the Switch now. That's amazing. It's well, apparently neither does the developer because it's been like four years and we haven't heard a peep, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. Oh, well. Eventually, one day. As a... No, I was going to say as, as a... What's his name? Ah, oh, I'm forgetting. Iron Man. Iron Man's friend. Iron Man's friend? Iron Man's friend in the first movie. Uh, uh Rhodey? Rhodey, his actor in the first movie. Oh, Terrence Don Howard. Cheadle? Terrence Howard. Originally it was Terrence oh. Howard and that became Terrence Don Cheadle. Yeah. I was going to say, as, as Terrence Howard said in that one, uh, sometime, baby. But actually, he says next time, baby. I just remembered. Never mind. <laughs> that was a tangent for sure we went on. That was yeah, a journey. That was a for sure. That was a journey. Uh, Jason. Yeah. 
do you finally want to get into succession? Oh, oh, yes, yeah, I what do. Is I forgot show? we were going to talk about this it is, today. Oh, this man. Is, this is a show, Angel. Let me tell this you. Is, this Let you, us tell you. Yes. It's, it, I don't even know where to begin except season three ended on such a, like, hot, like, they, what a season. Just what a great season. I mean, the show just, you don't always understand what's going on because they use like double speak and, and, and like weird euphemisms and, and, and analogies and things that it's all business. And it's like, what? But this is basically game of the cutthroatness of Game of Thrones set in a business world and just so good. And like every episode, something happens. Even if it's just stuff like, oh, they, they had a deal, then they didn't have a deal, then they do have a deal. Just the, the power dynamics throughout making and breaking those deals and everything is just, it's, it's, it's a wonderful show. Every scene. Every it's just great, and they ended it with such a good like people were comparing it to the Red Wedding. That's all I'll say. I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, I don't even know. Like Kevin, I mean, you just you watched all three seasons really like back to back to back, right? Like so far, all three. Um, yeah, I caught. I saw the first two seasons. Actually, it's funny. I saw the first episode a while ago. I think maybe when season two had just ended because season two ended in two thousand nineteen. Yes. Yeah, or it might have been 2018. I I don't remember. It was but, before the pandemic because I, I also was late to the show. I watched the first two seasons during the like the. I mean, technically we're still in a pandemic, but I, I watched the uh, the first two seasons like during sometime before the world started opening back up. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm late with you like that. But yeah, you you basically watched them all together, ish. Right. Yeah. Like, essentially. So. Yeah, so I had seen that first episode, and I had started watching the second episode, but something came up, and I never got around to watching it again. But then I started seeing promos for the third season, and I said, you know what, let me give this show a chance. And I just binged the crap out of this show within the next couple of days. This show's fan, fantastic. It's, just, it's all power dynamics, and like, it's all power sassy dynamics. writing. So, yeah, <laughs> so Angel, term. basically what it is, is this, uh... I don't know, this uh, media conglomerate, I guess you would call it, right? Yeah, the whole thing's... It's basically Rupert Murdoch and his news empire, except not Murdoch and not Fox, but that's what it's And not necessarily news, because they have... They own a bunch of divisions, right? Theme parks. Because they, uh, they like theme parks and, and movie studios and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, they're literally Fox until Disney bought them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's the it's the head of this company whose health is in question because he I believe in the first episode he turns eighty years old, and he's got three. No, he's got four, three. Man, we he we likes to think about, he has uh, three. We always forget <laughs> about uh Con crap. I'm Connor. 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 We always forget about Connor. Poor Connor. Oh, that oh, scene Con. that he had at the end of uh, season three. Oh God, yeah. Literally, yeah. literally based on this, how everybody forgets about him. But anyways, he has four children, and three of them. Uh, are essentially trying to become the new CEO of this company. Or not at the beginning. At the beginning, it's literally just only one of them. And uh, another one of the brothers who becomes... He becomes CFO, right? Um, oh, not CFO. At he one becomes point, something, yeah. something else. Yeah. At one point, he's CFO. Um, yeah, but it's pretty much all of, like, who's going to be the CEO of this company? And it's nothing but these these siblings just going at each other's throats for this job. And the dad uh, not wanting to give up power. Yeah, and the dad well. also. And not like being... it's like it's just mm-hmm. cutthroat. Like every man for himself, they're all awful people. But you can't help but like root for all of them. And then there's also like the husband of one of the kids, and then there's like this cousin of theirs that starred in theme parks and basically fell upward 
into upper management by like season three and he's like this really awkward dude cousin greg um yeah it's 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 just like the premise doesn't sound that enticing it's just like oh some siblings going back and forth but just the the writing's so strong the power dynamics and like the kind of twists and turns and everyone trying to backstab each other but like politely to their face like it's or not so politely because the show is extremely vulgar um yeah it's just it's hard to like really put into words why it's so good but it's just this constant tug of this like five direction tug of war like if you think about game of thrones and the different houses just imagine each person in this family being their own house and trying to get the most like land for themselves and most resources for themselves and take the throne just replace all that medieval imagery with you know suits and why the kids kendall um thinking he's the coolest dude ever and like listens to hip-hop and like talks about like how he needs to get what was it what was the tweet line he had this season remember he's like i need the best i can't remember but basically he had like a team that was just helping him make good tweets and like stuff like that it was which i i could use but yeah was no, it it's just like what was it engagement like he wanted the best engagement or something like no that? he at one point was wanting them to write him good tweets remember he wanted to have witty tweets and he like hired two pr people to like write his tweets but um but also engagement yeah no i it's 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 really good it's i feel like we're really we're doing a podcast we're supposed to talk about things but it's hard to like without getting into the nitty-gritty really describe it but yeah i think what works it, so well no, i was just gonna say i think what works so well is especially in season three they will set stuff up at the start of the season that will seem like a weird passing comment or something and then it like plays out and then when you go back and look at the season you're like oh my god this led to this led to this led to this and then the thing he said here is actually the analogy oh happened I, there. yeah now i know you know what i'm talking, talking about, about right yeah, yeah. oh it was such an offhand oh, random so comment sweet. like uh, yeah and mm-hmm. it's all like and it's all like these people just playing power games with one another and, it's and just, they're all terrible it's like all if you got people. the cast if you got the cast of it's always sunny in in like uh in just like a business setting they're and all a bit smarter people. to be fair yeah, true, but yeah, just as cruel. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because I've we we've been rewatching Sunny here, um, right, basically right after Succession ended. Actually, um, we're on like season ten now or something, and yeah, it there's some parallels for sure. It's it's just like because I mean, Angel, you've seen Sunny, so you can kind of relate to like they're all awful people, but you kind of still root for them in a weird way, kind of like you want to see what they do next, and like Succession's that just they're a little smarter, but yeah, it's um just the way they write the show is just it's so unassuming in its dialogue and it's so often very funny in like the things that people say especially the character uh roman but um and cousin greg but then like you start to realize there's actually a lot of really clever stuff going on under the surface and how it like references itself like i was saying before it's it's layered it's layers and the acting to be fair really good like these people are awful but they play each character extremely they play, well they play ass incredibly well extremely well yeah the the father uh brian cox who Mm -hmm. i feel like not a lot of people will know aside from he was the villain of x-men 2 wait what oh uh, yeah yeah huh the guy who uh (laughs) basically set up that the weapon x program i'm pretty sure that's him william striker i i think you're right yeah that that's him and i don't know what else he's been in but uh I mean, I should probably put some respect on his name because he's a fantastic actor. Yeah. And he plays the evil father so, so well. of the family. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're all Murdochs. The, the awesome. Rupert of the Murdochs. Yeah. Yes. Jeremy Strong playing uh, playing Kendall. Amazing. 
uh, I forget her name, but the sister, she's also fantastic. Everybody's everybody's fantastic so good. in the show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and and shout out to the uh, Culkin family because Macaulay Culkin's brother, Kieran, is the one who plays Roman, um, and is now hosted SNL off that. So he was always has a has a nice place in my heart because uh, he played Wallace in uh, Scott Pilgrim. Yes. Yeah. That was when I feel like he started like coming back into yeah, acting because he did a little stuff on the side him. as a kid. But he does kind of look like Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Yep. So he's he's fantastic as the I was gonna say as like a the asshole brother, but they're all they're all jerks. He's all the most terrible. in your face douchey guy of the of well, them not all? douchey. I take that back. I, I guess yeah, Kendall's in your face douchier. because he's the most. In yeah, your Kendall's face, absolutely like, douchier, but he doesn't, he doesn't show it as yeah. much as as a uh, as Roman does. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. and then there's a couple side characters and everything, but it's just, it's, it's, it's sort of in a way, if you're a fan of anything Aaron Sorkin's done, like, cause you were saying social network before, Kevin, it's sort of that sort of fast talking, fast moving dynamic. It's just the tone of it is very different than Sorkin. But in terms of like, if you like any of those sort of like, like walk and talk, like, like Sorkin's fans, like people walking and talking through hallways, it's kind of like that. Just way more vulgar, way more like Game of Thrones-y power dynamic. But it, that's probably the best parallel I can think of, or like billions on Showtime or something is probably yeah. It, it's so parallel. odd because, like, the last thing that I want to see during these times, these trying times, is terrible people going at it. But this show just somehow finds a way for you to want to root for all of them. Yeah, it's a sign of a good and show. Then you root you for all villains. of them, and then yeah, you root for them, and then. You're like they're finally gonna do it, and then they just it just gets swept under the rug. Something will always happen to these characters. That and what's just incredible you. about it, I think, is so they've done three seasons now. Every season's ended with a big cliffhanger. The the newest one is probably the biggest, but um, yeah. And you know, there's always kind of like that situation in TV shows where it's like, oh, how do they get out of this one, or how do they get into this one? Like it does that. It goes through those motions, but it does it in a way that doesn't feel like it's forced or like too much like a tv show like it just feels organic like yes that could happen that way or yes that will happen that way or of course this person would do something like even though it kind of ultimately if you think about it, the core plot which is do the kids take the company it kind of spins its wheel like that simple plot device they've been doing for three years but just the ways they navigate it and the new ways they come up with different dynamics and different partners and different people and like they keep it fresh and in a way that doesn't at all feel like it's overstated it's welcome if anything i could go for many more seasons of this i think if the quality stays the same. Yeah, the quality stays the same. Yeah, I yeah. could absolutely see this running for... I mean, you could say that with every show, but specifically this show. Oh, man. Such yeah, but I guess show. what I mean with this show that's, like, different than some others is other shows, like, they'll move on to a new set piece or they'll move on to, like, a new premise or, you know, like, at one point, I'm trying to think of a good example, like, I guess sitcoms are the exception. Sitcoms usually keep the same setting in the same situation. Like, you know, when we're talking about Sonny, the guys are always scheming about something that helps the pub or helps themselves get ahead, and it's always that, right? But, like, if you look at, like, a drama, usually, like, if you look at, I don't know, I can't even think of anything good. Um, Game of Thrones, let's say. Like, ultimately, it's kind of about the thrones, but, like, they introduce a new world, or they do a new thing. Like, they move it somewhere oh, sure, else. Sure. They do something yeah. different. Succession is the same core. Like, they'll bring in a side character for an episode or two, but it's the same core premise for now, like, 20 some odd episode or 30 some odd episode and it still works just because of how they subvert and navigate within that premise opposed to having to find additional premises if that makes sense what blew my mind specifically about this show is that the storyline for season three is set up with the season two finale and that Mm -hmm. season two finale i feel like any other show 
they would do it five or six seasons in. Yeah. I did not expect them to go that hard with the season two finale. Yeah. And then the season three finale is just, oh God, what a masterpiece. I know some people had an issue with, uh, with this last season, with season three. I thought it was fine, but what was that the ending issue? definitely elevated the rest of it. Like uh, some people just felt potential. like, like they were just doing a lot of, uh, wheel spinning. Oh. There was a little with the Gojo deals when they were like going back and forth over who's buying who. Uh, Gojo yeah. being this sort of tech company within the world of succession, kind of a Google meets Facebook. But, um, but kind of like, I feel like they had to go through the wheel spinning to explain the motivations for the characters to do what they did by the finale. Particularly a couple characters, particularly yeah. one character. Like they needed yes, to, cause it, it, and that's the thing I think that the show does well that maybe some people overlook or maybe I'm just pretending I'm better about watching the show than others. I don't know. But I feel like, like it's not so much about the business dealings. It's about the interpersonal dealings. So the business dealings are the background to allow the interpersonal things to happen to unfold in such a way that will explain the motivations to then sum up, you know, to then cause the big season three twist to work. Cause if they did that without, the back and forth and without certain things with like, oh, it's the government monitoring the company or, you know, go come after the company or not. And like all the sort of loyalty building and ties and who's aligning with who, like they needed all that shenanigans to happen to give the motivations for characters to do what they did. But most people, if they're focusing on, oh, well, what's happening to the company? Yes, it felt like it was going in circles because that was kind of the deal making process, but it wasn't about the deal making process. It was about the people making the deals so or not making the deals or, you know, being sidelined yeah. by the deals or what have you. Overall, fantastic show. We Indeed. will talk about season four when the time comes. Can't wait. Can't to watch wait. it. And I guess then talk about yes. it. Yes. But mostly to watch it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yep. Yeah, well, just what a... I, I've said this before. Maybe it's it might be recency bias, but like that just might be one of my favorite shows of all time. It might be my favorite I mean, show the, of the year. Obviously, obviously, depending on how, on if they keep the momentum going and it there's not a huge drop-off in quality, but yeah. this. Yeah, I will say, fantastic if you're new to show. Succession... It is a bit of a slow burn. The first three or four episodes take a little time to ramp up. It's really weird. Like, why do these people talk like this? Like, why are they like this? But about halfway through season one, it all just clicks and just starts, the ball starts rolling and it just picks up momentum and never stops for the other two seasons and the back end of uh, season one. So, so give it a chance. If you watch one or two, give it a chance. Eh, give it a chance. Give it a chance. Fantastic show. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, now it's time. To talk a little Spider-Man, but we're not talking Far From Home. We're gotcha. talking Spider-Man 2. Psych. Angel, Damn, Angel you want to talk about Spider-Man 2? Let's do it. Yeah, they're probably like discombobulated right now. So really sorry about that. I'm pretty sure someone's already thrown down. their headphones off in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, get, get to Spider-Man 2 already. But, um, I mean, Spider-Man 2, No Way Home. We are but, getting to Spider-Man yeah, 2. I mean, that it, one person but, that says get to Spider-Man 2, we're there, buddy. It's happening now. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, after watching No Way Home, um, and I guess also thinking I wasn't going to have someone to watch it with, but then it turns out after having seen it that I'm just going to end up watching it with my brother-in-law and sister again for a second viewing next week, which is cool. Um, I obviously enjoyed the movie enough to watch it twice, but leading up to that, um, I know, well, I know it's been over around a decade since I've seen Spider-Man 2, I felt like I still remembered most of the beats well enough that, you know, I, I could just jump right into a newer one without feeling too confused, but I wanted to 
it's kind of revisited. You know, the trailer had our Alfred Molina there, and he was great in Chocolat. So I figured, you know, let's revisit his other not-as-big role in Dr. Octopus. And, yeah, watching it again, I don't know if I liked it as much as I did the first time. I feel like I would have been in that boat where I... I guess like Spider-Man 2, I, I thought like, oh, it's probably the best Spider-Man movie from the Spider-Man movies. But after having seen it two days ago, I think I would probably rank it below, at the very least, like Homecoming and maybe No Way Home. But I have to rewatch the amazing movies because now I'm starting to wonder if they were <laughs> as bad as I remembered. But I also don't remember disliking them either. I feel like I remember the discourse being more like, these movies are terrible, but I remember thinking like, yeah, the Peter Parker back origin story feels a little convoluted, but that was kind of it. Maybe the enemies weren't that exciting, but now Spider-Man 2, at the very least, I could say it definitely has a lot of heart. Like I definitely really enjoyed, you know, Maguire's performance. Molina was great. Um, man, do they remind you that this movie is a sequel? Like, obviously it is, but I feel like a lot of the movie is spent just kind of going over, just reminding you that the first movie happened, um, for better or worse. I don't know if that makes any sense. But Well, it uh, starts off with um, the intro credits. It starts with literally recapping the first movie. Yeah, it's like narration. Beautiful... No, but I'm talking about like the intro intro. Or like oh, the yeah, the, yeah, the, the arty yeah, rendition. They're, yeah. They're, those, are, those are by Alex Ross. Ah, those are kind of cool. Um, just yeah. like a nice way too, but it would have been great if that's like all that you needed. But then, like, yeah, the rest of the movie just it kind of dwells in the past a little, almost like redoing some shots. Which I don't know. It, it, I'm not saying any of those were bad or felt really worth it. It just felt like I. It felt like the the screenwriters didn't have the confidence that the viewers didn't remember things exactly how they wanted them to remember it. And I mean, this movie came out, I think, two years after the first one did. Yep. So yeah, that came out two thousand three. The first one came out in two thousand one. Yeah. So there's that. So no, no, it, it's an interesting situation for sure. It, it's um, funny you say that the issue is they didn't have confidence in the viewers knowing, remembering the first one, because I feel like when we get to Far From Home, it had the opposite. Where if you haven't seen other Spider Men of any variety. Good luck. Like they don't explain a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do not. Yeah. But uh, yeah, can you yeah. go Spider Man too? But you know, CG. It, it it is what it is. I'm not gonna like bang on it. Like it obviously it didn't age very well. Um, the parts that are CG are very CG just by our current standards. And that's not to say that it's perfect nowadays. Like I feel like. We're not quite there yet. Even in No Way Home, there was still plenty of, oh yeah, this is all CG. Yeah. But, but that being said, the practicality of the tentacles definitely didn't go unnoticed. Like, you could definitely tell they, they just look really good. Like, it was obviously more of a pain to shoot the movie this way. They obviously make them CG because, you know, it just makes more sense practically. But, yeah, I don't know. They, they just, the the tentacles look really cool in a lot of shots. The fact that there were actually tangible objects that were moved around, like it definitely gives it. I don't. Know, I, I don't spend thinking like half my brain. Sometimes, whenever there's a CG scene, no matter what it is, 
I do dwell on it in my head. I like I just keep thinking. There's like, just like I a five want... percent piece in your brain that says that's CG. Yeah, and, it's like I want to be immersed, go, yeah. but I can't stop yeah. not being not immersed. It, it's unfortunate, but that's just how it be. It's been happening with me rewatching the Matrix, um, specifically the second Matrix. There's so many shots. I'm like, hey, it's a video game. <laughs> like this looks Oof. CG. Yeah. Oh yeah, so. especially Reloaded. Yeah, Reloaded. Sure. Resurrection like the, the Agent Smith. Reloaded, but... The Agent Smith fight in particular, like they go a full on like PS. Oh character. yeah, that that does yeah. not look real in yeah, any no. sense of the word. No. And at the time, it was cutting edge tech, and it was like, oh cool, look what computers can do. But even then, no one was like, this is real. They're just like, look at how advanced it is. But now, since it's not advanced, it's just like, yeah, those are definitely some rubber people. Yep. <laughs> Rubber people. Rubber people. But yeah, you know, um, Reese Witherspoon was great. James Franco yep, was great. Reese Witherspoon. I, and yeah, I mean, overall, I still enjoyed it, but yeah, it definitely was one of those. I Kirsten Dunst, did Angel. Reese yeah, I was waiting. Oh, right. I was like, wait, I was about to look up. Is Reese Witherspoon in this? She isn't. No, she's <laughs> not. You know <laughs> you what? I think it. I said that no, because you confirmed it. So I'm like, wait, did she have like a side role? Like, no. See, when I made that joke, I thought you were gonna jump in and like bounce off of it. I because I but, thought no, because but at then first, you stayed like, quiet, no, and I was like, okay, I I gotta bring this up. No, I, I just knew, can't. I was like, you can't mean Kirsten Dunst. And then you agreed. Is there another character? Because I haven't seen it in like 15 years. So I was like, did I forget? Does Legally Blonde show up? Is she like a lawyer for someone at one point? Like, I, I forgot. I didn't know. <laughs> but yes. Kir- yeah, Kirsten well, apparently, yeah. Chris- Kirsten Dunst. I completely butchered that name. I think at some point my sister also called her um, Reese Witherspoon, which is probably why I just kept that. Um, Their jawlines are extremely different. <laughs> I mean, they also just look like completely different people, but yeah. But like, like Reese Witherspoon has a very distinct jawline. I feel like so. That okay, it just got weird. Anyway, continue. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we uh, well, at least we know who to ask the next time we want to talk about jawlines. I only um, know. Listen, I only know Witherspoon, Leno. That's it. Those are the only two jawlines I can identify for you. No, well, I'm sure that the. Speaking of jawlines, the yeah William Defoe he makes a brief appearance in Spider Man Two that I kind of forgot about. Man, that yeah that guy's gonna be really expressive. Which we'll get more into yeah. that later. But what's it called? Um, but yeah, I it, it's gonna fall in the way of the Lion King and some other movies that I thought I was gonna keep my there's place in my internal tier list but unfortunately it didn't i still really like it but it's also a lot cheesier than i remember maybe everyone remembered it being cheesy but i or maybe just to hit the jokes just didn't land as well as before but yeah um jokes what jokes quips these movies are these movies are quips what quips okay are, are, are you are you done with the I'm sorry. I'm sorry to push you off this topic as, as quick. Oh no, no, yeah, I was done. I was done. But yeah, yeah that's pretty. Much oh, it. I, I'm wait. Okay. I'm, I'm counting down over okay. here to press the. I'm counting down for the Kevin liftoff here when he gets into amazing versus. All right. Amazing ver. Okay, so here we go. I have go. my list. I have my list of of Spider-Man movies. Okay. Um, like, and these are specifically live action because. I'm pretty sure we all agree that Into the Spider-Verse blows the water out of all the live-action Spider-Man movies. I think we're all oh, agreeing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, yeah. sir. Spider-Man 2, which is the highest 
on my list of movies, uh, in terms of the Raimi films, is number five on my list. Uh, right ahead of Far From Home, Spider-Man, and Spider-Man 3. I do not like these original movies. Mainly because I think Spider-Man sucks in these movies. This might be a hot take. But I I do not understand how people can see the amazing Spider-Man or the, I guess, the home trilogy. They're... Why? There's a, there's a fireworks going off in my neighborhood. God damn. Mm-hmm. It's Christmas. It you know, like everyone crazy. shoots fireworks on Christmas. They're trying to knock yeah, the Christmas reindeer out of this guy. Jesus. They're trying to, they're trying to blow Rudolph out of the yep. goddamn sky. They're trying to get that nose extra bright. Yeah. Um, I think what saves Spider-Man 2 in my head, because otherwise this would have been number six on my list, is the train scene is awesome it's probably one of the best uh action uh like set pieces in all of the live action movies and that's what makes it rank over uh far from home for me but man spider-man is such a bore in these movies i hate when people are like oh toby Maguire embodied spider no he didn't get out of here he's he's so boring he makes there's he makes like one joke per movie and they they usually suck. In the first movie, he the only funny thing that he says is when uh, he webs up uh, J. Jonah Jameson's mouth and he says, hey, can't you see that mom and dad are trying to talk here when uh, he's talking about the Green Goblin? And then Spider-Man 2, I don't even remember if he quips in this movie because he's just depressed half the time. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man 3, let's not even get into that movie. He but dances Jesus in Spider-Man Christ, 3. I, I don't understand when people are like, oh yeah, he's the best Spider-Man. I mean, he might be the best Peter Parker, because you know Tobey Maguire plays depressed pretty well, but it, yeah, people saying that he's the victim. best Spider-Man, no, no shot, no shot at all in my mind. Oh, so do you lean more towards Garfield or towards Holland? Oh, absolutely. Like, wait, that's a multiple all choice. Right, wait, which which choice? <laughs> there were two options. Oh, Garfield as Spider-Man okay. any day of the week okay. over Tobey Maguire and. Probably even over Tom Holland. I, let me just give you my list of Spider-Man movies. At number one, Homecoming. Then No Way Home. Then Amazing Spider-Man 2. Then Amazing Spider-Man. Then Spider-Man 2. Then Far From Home. Spider-Man and Spider-Man 3. Um, I know that the Amazing Spider-Man movies are not good. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, objectively a bad movie. But Spider-Man in that movie is the best incarnation of Spider-Man that we've gotten in, in these live action movies. Hands down. With without a doubt. He's got the best suit in the movie. He makes jokes. He's heroic. Oh, he's perfect. He, he puts on a fireman's Man, he, hat in one shot of one He puts one on scene. the fireman's hat, which is <laughs> something that he would absolutely do in the comic books. Yeah. yeah. Nothing that nothing that Tobey Maguire does as Spider-Man in those Raimi movies do I ever think of like coming out of a comic book, you know? It's more like a cosplayer in my mind. But anyways, that's that's my take on the, on those movies. It does uh, set us up perfectly to talk about the new one. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, spoiler-free thoughts. Let's talk about uh, No Way Home. Let's start with you, Jason. What did you think? Oh, hello. Hi. Um, I liked it. I, I think – wow, spoiler-free. This is going to be tough. I think the back half is stronger than the front half of the movie. Um. 
How spoiler free are we doing? Have people seen the trailers? <laughs> Can we work off that? Spoiler free means spoiler free, Jason. Okay, fine. If you, I think, if you, whatever's in the trailers is free game. Okay, I think. Um, ah, man, this is tough. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I think I enjoyed it a lot in part because it felt like a concluding chapter to a story I've been following. As a standalone movie, I don't know. You know, I made the quip earlier when you were talking about Spider-Man 2, not assuming the audience saw Spider-Man 1. I feel like uh, No Way Home assumes everyone has seen everything and knows everything. And as a result of that, no spoilers here, but as a result of that, I think it feels better as an Act 3 of the Tom Holland-like arc. And I feel like um, the nods it oh, makes to the other ones, it feels better as kind of an epilogue to those stories. But as a standalone movie, I could see why some people that don't know their Spider-Man may not appreciate it to the same extent because i do know my spider-man and i have seen them all i thought it was awesome and i really enjoyed it it didn't hit the like emotional moment of like you know avengers endgame where all the all the characters are like back and they do like avengers assemble like that was a crazy moment this doesn't get to that high but it's probably it's up there it it gets close um so yeah I, i really enjoyed it and i do think in a weird way it retroactively turns all three Holland Spider-Man movies into like a really good, like almost kind of origin story. I mean, obviously he had the suit and stuff, but he like really comes into his own in this one and really like sort of hits the, like what you expect Spider-Man to be by the end of this one. And if you did it by itself, it wouldn't work. But if you tie it in with everything from Spider-Man one with Holland from homecoming to far from home to this, like that, that thread makes basically a really cool three movie, like almost origin story. So that that's as yeah. loose as I can make it without giving spoil, or as as specific as I can get without giving spoilers. Mm-hmm. Angel, yeah. yeah, I I agree with a lot of that. Um, except, I mean, yeah. Um, the only thing is that, at least personally, um, I felt the the I guess the emotional highs were higher for me in this movie than in Endgame, but that's only because I I enjoyed Endgame for sure, but. I didn't feel as attached to the conflict as I was with No Way Home. So, yeah, I felt yeah. like this one just as, got to me a lot more. As like, like even as that, big as the story is, it's definitely more personal than Endgame. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. So, so even that like Avengers Assemble moment, like yeah, that's obviously a big cinematic moment. But to me personally, like it, I didn't really feel much when that happened. Um, this one whenever I got to anything remotely close to that, I, I felt a much bigger impact for sure. And and I can obviously I, get more into that later, but... I was going to say, I do think it's partly also just our exposure to past Marvel movies, because I know, Angel, you have not watched... All, like, I made a point, up until the pandemic where I had to watch Black Widow at home, I made a point of every single Marvel movie since 2007, going to a theater, seeing it in a theater. Like, I was very on top of my Marvel. I was staying up to date on it, all of it. So for me... You know, that was kind of the accumulation of all that. And like, you know, at that point it was what, 15 years, 10 years, whatever many years of seeing all that and going through those motions for so many years, like multiple times a year, constantly doing it. But, um, yeah, if you aren't as attached to Marvel as a whole, like that movie, that moment definitely has less impact. I I get that. And as a personal character moment, it's way lower for sure. It's just like that rush that gave me wasn't quite hit with Spider-Man, but. Fireman as a, as yeah, a, well, like a personal. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. it's obviously going to hit everyone differently. Exactly. Like, yeah. and and obviously, like, I'm not going to go out and watch every Marvel movie because, like, unfortunately, like, yeah, like Jason said, I'm not as into the MCU 
as I am with other ones. So even if I hear You're that a, a dark movie universe is great, fan. you got to see every like, every Universal monster movie. That's <laughs> all one of them. <laughs> well, I guess MonsterVerse of anything at this point. But um, but yeah, like like Shang Chi, like I still haven't seen it and don't necessarily have any interest in watching it, even if watching it, you know, will expand my knowledge of the MCU. I'm sure it's a great movie. I'm sure I'll watch it eventually, and I'm sure I'll enjoy it, but I'm just not driven to watch it. I still haven't seen Black Widow. have no real interest in watching it, but yeah, like the Spider-Man ones, and it's obviously, it's obviously the reason why Sony like hangs out to Spider-Man so hard, because he's just like probably their best character. Like, I'm sure and people have their favorite. A lot of money as well. So much That's money. Yeah, exactly. The biggest. Yeah, like it's like night. no secret to it. Biggest opening night of any movie outside of Endgame. Third biggest opening weekend of any movie outside of Endgame and The Force Awakens. But yeah, and will I be mean, the reason why Omicron probably spreads yeah. <laughs> more yep. than more than usual. I mean, so when you guys saw it to that point, how did you try and avoid crap? Like, what did you do at that point? Were you just like, screw it, I have to see it? Or did you, because like, I made the choice of uh, uh, trying to see it at like midnight. I was like, all right, the theater's half empty. We'll get a back corner seat. It'll be fine. And then in the time between buying the ticket and getting there, it was a sold out show where it's like, well, cool. I guess we're going to die. But so far, so good. No, no. Well, we will but, like, have did... died at least seeing uh, Spider-Man Endgame, you know? Yeah, but did, did you guys that like... My seat was pretty good. I was. I pretty much had a road to myself, so... Oh, that's not bad. Oh, nice. Well, you, Kevin, how did yeah. your, how'd and your 3D. experience go? Mm-hmm. That was a cool movie to watch in 3D. Well, as a, as a... I didn't even know that this movie was in 3D. Um, But anyways, yeah, I mean, it is my second favorite live-action Spider-Man movie. Third overall. I think this movie is fantastic. I think this movie could have been really messy. And to a degree, it is. But, you know, Endgame was also messy. But yeah. that movie succeeded in what it was it was trying to do. I think this personally succeeds more than Endgame did for me because Spider-Man has always been my favorite comic book hero. And I think Tom Holland nails Peter Parker and Spider- Well, maybe Spider-Man to a lesser degree. As I've already said, I, I love Andrew Garfield's take on Spider-Man. His movement um, as Spider-Man, his like acrobatic background and dancer background, like nails the fluidity of Spider-Man. I feel like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but like his Peter Parker, I, I think he's probably has the best balance, uh, in between like Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker was way too cool and Toby was just way too depressed. And I feel like Tom Holland balances that out so, so well. Um, yeah, I think this, this movie's, this movie's great. Uh, I guess now let's get into yeah. spoilers, right? Oh man, I feel like, I'm so I feel ready. Like, I feel like we're uh, feel like we all enjoy this movie. I uh, starting now spoilers. So if you want to avoid this, uh, I guess we'll we'll see, we'll see you next week. I guess <laughs> we'll see you on random Nintendo, yeah. Stitcher, yeah. Spotify, Stitcher, Spotify, everything. Pandora, you know where to um, find us. Yeah. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You could win a $20 eShop yep. card if you subscribe for the end of the year. It's been great having you. Now, everyone that's seen the movie, stick around. Let's go. Let's do this. I am so glad that this movie is opening up people's eyes to how fantastic Andrew Garfield is. Yeah. He, he, he stole, stole the, the show. show for me. I mean, and to be fair, I am biased. He is my favorite Spider-Man. But this just, oh my God, the way that it ties 
you know, we never got an Amazing Spider-Man 3 for a good reason because Amazing Spider-Man 2 was trash and also didn't make a lot of money. Or probably the, I think it is the lowest performing Spider-Man movie. Um, but I'm so glad that they, they sort of closed his arc. Yeah, I mean, when he caught MJ and, like, this, that face yeah. he made, that was great. What I thought was yeah. cool Andrew was they, so awesome. they really closed his arc, but really every character they brought back got some sort of closure they didn't have in their respective movies. I mean, Toby to the less extent, because he kind of had his three stories, but, like, even then, like, they're referencing, you know, like, how's your, you know, records on your life and everything, and giving, like, the guys that turned evil a chance to undo that, and, like, it just, it made a great epilogue for every other Spider-Man, and for and for uh, Andrew Garfield, like you're saying, kind of more of a closure, closing moment, but, yeah, I was just really impressed with how well it balanced being the third act for Tom Holland's Spider-Man, but also providing closure in places we never thought we'd get it and for characters we never thought we'd see that closure it's for. so cathartic, across the board right? yeah like even the bad it's, guys like even doc ock yeah, turning like guys. good again like it it was it was crazy they were able to balance all that so well like we said it is kind of messy you know the way that you know, how hand wavy these marvel movies are this movie caught some of that and everything could just be explained by like oh it's dr strange's magic I, I feel like not a lot of people are actually talking about dr strange in this movie um because he has his own set piece which yep. i didn't think that we were gonna get but that was he cool had i a actually really enjoyed that set piece yeah the uh the mirror dimension oh i guess have you seen the trailer yeah you know that he's gonna have a set piece i didn't think that it was gonna be as crazy as it was though and that was the first time that like i don't know i felt like one of the first times that they're actually like stakes for Tom Holland Spider-Man because oh, yeah, up to that absolutely. point like it was weird because up to that point like the first half of the movie when I was saying at the start like the front half was weaker than the back like the front half it, it was like he was collecting like Harry Potter horror cruxes or something or like Pokemon it was like oh these enemies have entered yeah. our dimension gotta go catch them all and it felt really kind of I don't know it's like the first half was almost parodying some of the past Spider-Man because they were making fun of the names and the backstories and the characters but then like that that they're Doctor making Strange fun of the memes scene, like yeah yeah, which, you know, some of it's obviously, like, like nods to the fans. But some of it was kind of like, wow, they're really just, like, dissing the early movies. But then, like, halfway through, that scene happened. And then, like, the tone shifted. And they brought in the other Spider-Men. And suddenly the back out is just such a stronger half, really. Like, like it didn't feel as, like, did ham-fisted. You, did you guys think that Aunt May was going to die when she did? Um, The second she said the line... Which for some reason she added an extra word to, but the second she said the line, I was like, "Oh, that's it. She's done." Yeah. When when what? I'm sorry. When, when she, she said, said the, uh, the power oh, responsibility she, line with a great power. Yeah. Yeah, and, gotcha, and then gotcha. she added a random that somewhere in the middle. I'm like, why did you change the quote? But anyway, yeah, the second she so, said, it, I knew she was done. So I, I looked into that. That's originally the quote that was in the comic books when it first came out. Actually, oh, so, so it's she paying tribute she is yeah. the most accurate take of the original quote there is. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I do think, though, like to the point about like bringing, like the c- concluding the origin story that we didn't know we were in the middle of. That was the moment. Her dying. Her saying that. Tom Hong going solo. Like and kind of like you know, yeah. like that was the moment where it's like, oh, this actually was just a super drawn out origin story and handled so well. And like him, you know, breaking free of rec- needing like Stark's equipment and needing Doctor Strange, just kind of going back to basic. Like it was, yeah. It, yeah. it, they, I, um, I was so impressed with how they did that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Zendaya and uh, I, I forget the actor's name. Jacob Battleon, I think is his name. Yeah, I think they were like in this movie too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these movies have always been about 
Peter and his friends, which I really like. Something that these movies I feel like catch a lot of flack on is the fact that, you know, he's so, he's so interconnected with the MCU, but they also gave us something that the other movies haven't given us, which is Peter with friends, you know, Mm -hmm. which I think really like, I feel like the MCU connections isn't what differentiates this one from the other Spider-Man. It's, it's his friends and like they've been his backbone for the entire series now. And now how heartbreaking that he's not going to have that for like the next movies, you know? So like you said, it does reset the character and I'm sure that'll make some hardcore Spider-Man fans happy. Um, but yeah, that's, it's great. Uh, yeah. The only other like person I wanted to point out was, um, William Dafoe. I remember William Dafoe's insane in this movie. Yeah. Oh Jesus yeah. Christ, he kills yeah. it. Like, like I hadn't seen Spider-Man one definitely a lot longer than I think Spider-Man two, but I just remembered, I remember him being great in that movie, but I just remember him. I remember like, I don't know, I guess, not being in love with the Green Goblin. I don't know what it was about it, but he never really felt like a big threat in the first movie. But that's just me, probably. But um, yeah, they made him feel like an actual force to be reckoned with. I didn't realize he was supposed to be that strong. I think they... I know they say in the first one that he's supposed to be like... He's some like number. Of, yeah, he's supposed to be some number of times stronger than the average human because like that serum does that stuff to him. But I don't think they ever really demonstrated how much of an unstoppable force he basically was like he could just walk and take punches and like nothing happens to him yeah and the... he was just crazy he was yeah what if the foe went all out like he was definitely like my favorite villain of that movie oh he and went yeah. all out Probably he most. insisted i saw a video interview he insisted that if he comes back he does all his own physical stunts which he then did so he went all the way he was all in no oh, yeah, yeah Green super Goblin impressive was, considering was considering his age but then like something that one scene that gets highlighted a lot is when like peter is just wailing on him on top of him and he's just laughing it off yeah yeah that was that was awesome that that entire sequence was was great just the way that they're falling through the floors this is the green goblin right here like he felt more green goblin in this movie than he did in any other one it was also cool how maybe he was in some of the promo stuff, but I didn't know Electro was going to be in it until I was in the theater. <laughs> like really? I had no oh, idea Jamie really? Foxx. And then when they brought him back, it wasn't Jamie Foxx in the show. It, it was the just trailer. CG. And only that – was he? Because they didn't show Jamie Foxx yeah. in the trailers at he's all. He's slightly in the trailer. He's in the, oh, po- he's, he's he's in the, he's in the second trailer. He's in the second uh, trailer. Jamie Foxx is? Yeah, you see him wow. uh, in that I mean, uh, I, costume that I remember, he has at the end of the movie. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I remember you straight up see him with the arc reactor, I think, in the poster as well. And it's like, oh, I guess he gets that at and, and you know that – maybe that brings up a good point then. Like – can you imagine if it didn't get leaked or rumored that uh, Tony McGuire and Andrew Garfield were going to be back? The reaction? Because I was so pleasantly surprised that Electro, who was barely a character in Amazing Spider-Man 2, like he was there, but kind of a sideshow. But like, I don't know. Like there's part of me that just wishes somehow they kept that under wraps. I realize there's no way and they leaned all the way into the rumors for the marketing. Yeah. And there's, you know, that's why it's the second biggest opening night of all time. But, like, could you imagine if you somehow didn't know that and you go in the theater and you maybe saw the Doc Ock tentacles in the poster or whatever, but you get to, like, that, what, two-thirds of the way in and then Andrew Garfield shows up and then Tommy McGuire shows up and then there's a shot of him swinging all three of them and all that and you had no idea it so, was going to happen? Pretty so, sure yeah. I still had the same reaction if I would have had if I didn't know because 
I I mean, I don't know, but that's I'm very much like I don't care if I hear rumors or whatever. Like I'm just gonna kind of ignore them because even then, like as soon as like that trailer came out, say those rumors didn't exist whatsoever. Like as soon as that trailer came out, I'm already going to be expecting them, no matter what. So there's like yeah, no, it's a, it's a multiverse movie, you know. Yeah, so. the, 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 there's no version of me watching this movie where I'm not thinking they're not going to show up. Yeah, I right. think as soon as we see like Doc Ock and Goblin, it's it, it, it's it's literally just like, all right, they're obviously going to be here, even yeah, if it's fair. not obvious. I'm thinking it, they're obviously here somewhere. What? Uh, what was so I was still, exactly up? Go for, sorry, go for it. Oh no, I was it, but no, so yeah, so I, I still had a very much a. I guess finally actually seeing them, I very much went like, like, oh my god, they're here. And but. and what's even what what's great about that is that, you know, we we weren't sure how how long they were going to be in this movie. They gave us like a good oh yeah half hour. Yeah. That's actually right. something actual characters. Yeah. Like that yeah, was surprised characters. Me. Them showing up, I'm like, oh, of course, there they are. But then like multiple scenes in a lab fighting hanging out chatting making references like i was like wow this is like going like they're still here like i thought they were gonna swing in and sit and help fight and that was it so the fact that they like had yeah. long dialogue and stuff was a nice surprise i'm just thinking how much crazier it would have been if i didn't even you know because there's a leaked photo of the two of them on that scaffolding with a blue screen like three months ago yeah that i somehow saw and i was like oh damn it, i don't want to see that uh so when that scene showed up like i literally know my girlfriend I'm like hey there's that photo we saw <laughs> But but would have been so cool mm-hmm. if we had no idea. Like we knew they might be there, but to like not know for sure, it would have been that much more special. But it was great how long they were in it for sure. I th- I think I think that's what made it up for me. Like mm-hmm. seeing the and like hearing about the leaks, I'm like, oh, co- of course they're going to be in this movie. But then seeing that, because I also saw that picture of, the, of them on the scaffolding. But um, I was like, okay, they'll 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 show up for the scaffolding, maybe just a little bit before. But no, they were there. Like I said, they were there for like a good good half hour and yeah. they bounce off each other really well uh Very something that well. i will disagree with you jason is uh hmm. is that uh, you said that this movie didn't really have that avengers assemble scene for you i think that scene where they jump off the scaffolding and they're all woohooing as they're swinging and oh, they land man, that scene. they land it on was the head. cool it was oh, cool. it's like and they just all land in not in tandem but you know you see yeah, one, one after them, the other one after the another and just the hype in the theater the you know, I, I've, I'm not a fan of like clapping at the end of movies, but I don't know. Th- this movie is an event, so I'm going to treat it as an event. And so, yeah, oh, yeah, when, yeah, when everybody in the theater is like cheering and clapping, like, yeah, I'm going to get a little caught into it, a little caught up into it. And, oh, yeah. Oh, what a fantastic experience. Don't get me wrong. Like, it was a, because we ended up at a packed showing, which we were hoping not to be at, but because we were like the crowd was super into it, we got super into it. It was still a really cool moment. It's just, I think in that instance, because they already were kind of on screen for 20 minutes. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's a cool shot. That's a really cool moment, but it just didn't hit in the same way for me personally. But I'm glad it hit for you that way because it was a really – it was the perfect crowd pleaser shot for sure. It was really well Yeah, absolutely. Just, also, oh, dude, so good. subtle use of the Spider-Man pointing meme that I got to shout out when they're in the lab and, and Ned is like, Peter, and they all like look up and they're like, which Peter? And they all point at each other. Let's yeah. See what you did there, Marvel. See what you did there. It's, it's funny. Like – they answered so many questions like, oh, are they going to do the, the, the pointing meme? And like, mm-hmm. they kind of did it, it like indirectly with that scene. But then they're like, I wonder if they're going to talk about, uh, Toby having organic web shooters. And sure mm-hmm. enough, they do. They have an entire like five minute discussion oh, it's about great. it. It's, it's this movie's pure fan service through and through, which again is why if you come in not seeing the Spider-Man movie, like I was saying up top, like you're going to be lost on some of this. 
like yeah, and, like Andrew Garfield. Doesn't have the same impact. Like exactly. Like yeah, they're like, Gar- oh, why is this Spider Man so depressed and emo? But if you know, you know the discourse around those movies, it's almost like like oh no, your your movies aren't that bad. It's basically what they were saying. Yeah, or even – yeah, there's that. There's the whole – no, you're amazing. You're amazing because that was the name of that movie. Like there are a lot yeah. of little links in that. Yeah. yeah. But even the – even the um um the catch, like when he catches MJ, like if you didn't see Spider-Man – Amazing Spider-Man 2, you'd be like, uh, OK. I mean he references someone died and he references that he – and you now see he saves someone. So I guess on some level, but like the shot for shot recreation, like that's deeper fan service if you've seen him. Not even fan service. That's strong, but you need to see it to fully appreciate it versus just kind of be like, yeah, oh, that's cool. and like, yeah. Him catching MJ is absolutely fan service, but the fact that it 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 almost blends so well into the movie, yeah. that, like like a lot of a lot of the fan service blends so well into this movie. Like that scene where they're uh, where they're talking about the organic web shooters. Of course, that it, they're not just asking because the fans would want that scene they're asking because they would genuinely ask in those in those movies mm-hmm. yeah it it that that's why i think the balancing act they did that's that's what they pulled off so well it's like it yeah it's just i don't know like to juggle all those elements and give the closure to the different characters and still have like a closure to tom holland and still you know like all that stacked up and have it feel organic and like like it just flows naturally is a hard feat and they pulled it off yeah that's uh Hell of a movie. And it is. I, I don't think I'll see it in theaters again, but like I, I'm absolutely watching this as soon as it releases on, on home video. I like absolutely. One thing that I absolutely loved, absolutely loved, and spoilers for Venom, let there be carnage. <laughs> um, I know say. Yep, I agree. When, when you see Tom Hardy start to disappear... I heard everybody around the theater going, "Oh, I was the only one that was cheering because god damn do I hate Tom Hardy in those Venom movies. I'm that's like the best case scenario for me. He's he's in and he's he's out. I didn't even think of Venom throughout the entire movie. And then I hear Tom Hardy and I can't tell if he's drunk, but apparently he is drunk, but you would never know that because that he's performing the same way that he performs in those two terrible movies. And then he disappears, and I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God, because I remember watching Venom Let There Be Carnage and hearing the theater erupt in cheers that he was in this, uh, that he was in this, uh, in the MCU. And I was like looking over at Elvis and going, no, not like this. I don't want it to happen like this. And then, oh, it's so cathartic for me. And that was probably my favorite part of the movie, honestly. <laughs> seeing Tom Hardy disappear because it's, I want him to stay as far away as possible from Tom Holland. It's an incredibly clever way slash kind of trolling of the fans that lets them bring Venom back into the MCU while simultaneously letting Sony run amok with their weird spin-off Spider-Man, which for a long time they said we're going to stay separate because they – basically they don't have quality control over those like everything in the mcu it seems like so marvel wants the, the to decide because even you know we didn't even talk about the daredevil thing in the first third oh yeah like, charlie cox so yeah 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 like and awesome yeah, amazing yeah. cameo yeah and like so they clearly like appreciate the quality of daredevil and want to integrate that into the world they have not said at marvel that they want to have venom and uh what's the, the jared leto one coming out morpheus whatever it's called Morbius. and 
and I also said Morpheus, too much Matrix lately, Morbius, and you know, Sinister Six if that happens, or the like the Spider Verse ones for whatever because they're animate. Like they're keep they're trying to keep that separation. But they do understand that for an audience at home, if you see Tom Hardy as Venom running around, and then there's a different Venom in the MCU, but they're both by Sony and they both reference a Spider-Man, it could get confusing. So to have him dip in, drop the symbiote, and then dip back out, lets them branch the story however they want and keep the quality separate however they want, and do it in kind of a funny way that did troll the fans. It was I thought it was like the perfect way they could handle that. It was really clever. Yeah, man. Thank God. Get I do not fall. Oh. You have no idea how much I hate those movies. I mean, you might be able to be able to tell based on the. <laughs> I, I hate those movies more than I than I dislike Spider Man Three. Like that, wow. just plain I actually have never seen the Venoms. You're, I. You're doing yourself a service by not anything seeing that says Marvel Studios. I see anything that says an association with Marvel. I go, well, hold up a sec. Stay away. Yeah, yeah just and, stay away from those. And that that you're association watch with is exactly why they dipped him back out. Morpheus. <laughs> What? Morbius. Morbius. Morbius, the living vampire. I'm, I don't know. There's maybe. a Craven the Hunter movie in the works too. Yeah. Uh, interesting how that'll work, but uh, yeah. It's just, it's, uh, I, I just like after that scene, I was just like, that's so clever. Like, what a great way to like drop him in, pull him back out, give what they need for the plot line in Spider Man, but just you know keep him out like that. Oh yeah, clever. the symbiote, the 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 little yeah, symbiote the drop. Exactly, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that plays considering that it's all the way in mexico but uh, uh i mean clearly the we'll next see. the next spider-man is gonna be spider-man vacationing from home kind of like far from home and he'll be in mexico i wonder what the next word will be i think they're done i don't with home. I, I, I get the feeling yeah, they're, done they're, with they're home. absolutely done with home yeah but i wonder what it'll be i don't know we'll see so, uh, supposedly there is a there's a fourth one in the works which surprise surprise of course this movie's gonna do a lot of money yep uh then there's like all these odd little rumors like Oh, you know, Andrew Garfield is finally going to get his uh, threequel. Oh, Spider-Man 4 is apparently in the works. And so we'll see how those pan out. I doubt any of them will. Yeah. As but, it stands uh, right now, as it stands right now, congratulations to Tom Holland on being the first actor playing Spider-Man to get a fourth movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he did it. The boy uh, did it. He did it, Mr. Stark. Yeah. The boy <laughs> did it. He's, a, he's not, he's a Spider-Man now. Okay. He's, he's not a boy. He's not a Spider-Boy. He's a Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, and I think with that, that'll be the end of it, right? We're we're all good. We're all good. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, let us know what you thought about this episode. Let us know what you thought in the blog post. Go ahead and drop us a comment there. Uh, you know you're already listening to us on some sort of streaming service. Uh, but I think Spotify you can now rate podcasts. Yes. I don't have that feature on my app yet. I'm but an Apple Music do, user, so I can't confirm or deny mm, if I have that feature. But I do know it's mm, a thing. Well, if you do have it, you know, throw us a five star in there. That'd be great. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Random Nintendo individually. Jason is at JSR7. Angel is at Weiro underscore O. W E I R O underscore O. I am at Kevin Gomi. Next week, we will have a brand spanking new Random Nintendo. And then uh, we'll see where we. We'll see when uh, we'll have a brand new uh, random Nintendo. It's funny how last week we were like, we will try to do these whenever we can and immediately do one two weeks afterwards. Yep. I thought that was funny. You can, you can thank, uh, as awful as it sounds, you can thank Omicron for that because I was supposed to be in Thailand and then we had to cancel the trip because we didn't want to get stuck Omicron? in a hotel. Yeah. Unicron. Uh, All right. Yeah. Transformers. Jason. Take us out. Happy New Year. See you in 2022.